Welcome to Journey Under 30, a roadmap drawn in discovery. I'm Colin Parker. And I'm Alex Taylor. This is our podcast all about us doing what we can do to be named in a future Forbes 30 Under 30. Mr. Colin Parker. Mr. Alex Taylor. How are you? I'm doing pretty good. Uh, How are you doing? Good. Uh, What is new in the life of yours that you are currently having? Uh, what's new is that I have been out of college for, uh, or I've grad, I've been graduated yeah. for a, just barely over a month at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, yesterday marked the uh, one month anniversary of having moved back home, mm-hmm. uh, and so I am still doing kind of like the job search. Uh, I had some prospects, and then all of a sudden they just sort of stopped talking to me, which is kind of strange. Yeah. Um, I have applied to. Uh, over a hundred jobs at this point. Wow. Uh, yep, and I have not heard back from most of them. Uh, the job market is pretty rough, uh, mm-hmm. and I knew that. Like, I had to right right before I left college. Um, for my class for Dr. Kendra Reed, who I've mentioned a few times. Yeah. Um, I had to write a paper about kind of like uh like the the next step and stuff like that, and there was a lot of uh discussion uh in that paper about how bad the job market is for those just coming out of college. So I, yeah. I kind of knew to expect some of this, but you know, I mean, I've been applying to multiple states even just to sort of cover my bases. Yeah. And still nothing. Yeah. Well, and like when I like had first gotten out of college too, like it was a lot of the same thing. Like I, well, I didn't maybe as do as much applying, but there were other reasons for that. But actually, so, uh, so when I was actually up at Towson, my, um, guitar teacher mentioned that when his wife had actually gotten out of college, like she had done a similar thing. It kept applying to schools, applying to schools, applying to schools, applying to schools, didn't eventually find, well, found something like months and months later, like teaching at a private school. So I don't know. Right. Yeah. And you know, I, I'm, I'm open to all sorts of different things. Like the one thing that I do know is that, um, the company that I used to work for before I left for college, yeah. Um, I recently, uh, actually, because of just the fact that I am still friends with some people from that company, mm-hmm. um, I went to this event and there were some people who were kind of like my higher ups and stuff like that, and like even like really high ups, you yeah. know, were there. Uh, and at some point at that event, four of them came up to me and were just like, "Hey, I know you're." just getting back and they're like, but you know, if you're looking for anything in the meantime, like, you know, you can always come to us, whether you want to be full-time or part-time, if you just need something to carry you over until you find something real. And whereas that was definitely very flattering, uh, I mean, yeah, in my head, and I didn't say this to them, but I was like, you couldn't afford me because, uh, the fact of the matter is that like, I, I, as much as I do need a job, a, I, I just can't go back to that place. Like I've, Mm -hmm. I was there for way too long to begin with. Yeah. Um, so, and like, I don't want to get stuck there necessarily, um, yeah. but also at this point, like they have to know that like, I could barely afford to to live uh, sometimes at that place because it was a retail job mm-hmm. um, and they just don't pay amazingly. And that was back when I had only $500 to pay between car and college. And now I have a thousand dollars to pay for college, you know? So it's like, yeah, uh, it, it's just, it's not going to work. Um, no, I get that. Like the, at- um, after I had just gotten out of, a little after I'd gotten out of college, I started working at a, um, kind of insurance gig and like the pay was okay. But like between like that job I was working in the teaching job and the Towson job, like I was just, well, and then the rent I was paying, like I was just barely like breaking even. And right. it's, it's really depressing. Cause it's like, you put in all this work and all these hours and then you can still just like barely afford to like get through the month. 
Absolutely. Um, and yeah, the job market is is not ideal, and people, especially of our generation, are getting paid less and less. Yeah. Um, and that's why people have to pivot so often, right? Like, yeah. um, you know, I, I do have one more thing to talk about that I've no, been working fine. on recently, but like real quick, just yeah. because we've mentioned this term pivot, you know, mm-hmm. before, um, you know, the, the big thing is that I was reading this thing just the other day. Um, if I can find the article, I will link it. Um, I just don't remember where I found it, so I will have to do some digging. Um, but essentially in the article, it was this thing about, uh, there was this guy who was, you know, a hiring manager who was like, you know, had made this post that was like, if I see that you change jobs every six to 18 months, I'm not going to hire you because that means that, you know, you're not, you, you know, you aren't ready to, to commit to something. Uh. But then someone, but then someone else had to point out, you can't think that way anymore though, because yeah. in today's day and age, like we, we really don't pay people very good starting wages. Mm-hmm. and so people go to a job and then when they find out that they aren't really going to be you know paid what they really should be they'll stay there for a little bit and then they'll pivot to a place that now that they have this level of experience they'll pay them and then they'll pivot again when they find that they're not going to get a cost of living raise here and and so people switch back and forth but like people of our generation don't just usually come out of college and find a career job immediately exactly yeah. Well, um, and there's there's this also this idea of like what is your identity when you go into a job? Like is mm-hmm. the does does it does the job become you or does the job help you become who you want to be? Right? Absolutely. Yes. And like that was something that I had to face when I was in the insurance gig because there were there's a lot of just kind of well, there, there are like many different generations that are in this field, obviously, as there are with many other fields. I don't know why I pointed that out. It's like such a very obvious thing. But there, but with that, there are a lot of different perceptions on like your perception of the job itself. Like my right. mother, who was also at the same job for like 15 years, like that was the job that she did. And if she was still around, she, should, she probably still would have been there because that was that career. Well, that was her career. That job right. became her. Whereas like with me, like I was just going into it because I needed a way to act to like be able to afford to live, to afford to pay off my student mm. loans. And my biggest worry was that I was going to be there. Or like, well, I was going to like, well, 20 years were going to go by. I wouldn't realize it. And then, wow, 20 years just went by, you know? Right. Yeah. 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 No, I feel and that's you. a scary um, thing. Yeah, no, for real. I definitely feel that. Um, so real quick, before we talk to you about what you've been up to, um, now that we've talked about pivoting and all that other stuff and job searching, um, I will say that uh, the other thing that I've been working on is that in the meantime, like mm-hmm. while I'm waiting for to hear back from people, yeah, um, I've been doing a lot of stuff like taking uh, like some f- online courses, Ooh. Um, not just at lynda.com where you know you and I have talked about taking classes before. But also at another thing that we'll uh, we'll be talking about later on in the episode that yeah. I'm very excited about. Very nice. Um, and I have uh, been you know doing things like looking into uh, how to fix up our website because uh, it's really weird. Like you know we did research and we did try to figure out what was going to be best for us, and in the end, even after all that research, it still wasn't the perfect match that we thought it was going to be. Yeah. Um. And so like I'm st- I'm trying to desperately find a way to make it worth it. <laughs> Yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, cause the, the website's like, okay, but like it could use a lot of work. Um, yeah. and, uh, the other thing that I've been working on is, uh, myth takes episode one, which comes out later this week. Ooh. So that's exciting. I'm excited for that. Yeah. It's going to be a good one. Um, Morgan just texted me last night to say that there's a moment 
in the episode that I won't you know reveal, mm-hmm. but uh, she was like, I want to talk about it. She's like, like I want to talk about how stressed I am about this event. Mm-hmm. She's like, and I can't because I know that it'll spoil things. And I was like, well, don't worry. You know, we'll get to it soon. Yeah. Um. So uh, what about you, Alex? What have you been working on? Well, um, this morning I was working on getting cupcake matter off of my hands. So I was mentioning <laughs> to Colin on uh, a conversation we had before we started recording that when I woke up this morning, I uh, obviously I was waking up for my typical start times, decided I'd make a coffee. And well, so my fiance and I, we had a um, kind of a house leaving party. I'm calling it house cooling now because a friend of mine said, yeah, this is the much better name. So I'm going with that name. And we had some cupcakes from that. And I figured, you know what? I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm an adult. I'm gonna have a cupcake this morning. So I tried to grab the cupcake and it like went all over my hand. So I just had like cupcake matter all <laughs> in my hand. It's like those commercials where it's like the person just like they trip or spill and they like drop like a whole plate of like spaghetti or something. Yeah, and those, those bad infomercials. The thing with those commercials though is I've read that those are code for like people who have disabilities or mobility issues. Like that's code right. for like, hey, so you're going through this. So this is a thing that can really help you. But I just still found it funny. Like, oh, I can't even like take a cupcake anyway so um what i've actually been up to this week is a lot of work also well actually so everything has been ramping up from life to work so the house that we've been building is an actual house now we did a walk through this past week and we're getting really excited and the wedding is also looming which is just a few months away so i've been a bit of a ball of stress which has been Super great. Um, I'd mentioned work has also been ramping up, so I've been doing a bit more work at the university I've been working at, um, mainly helping with like day-to-day stuff like moving equipment, or if there's like a water main break, then moving stuff in a costume room out oh. so they don't get mold. But I've also been able to do some work in the studio too, like converting older music formats like cassette and mm-hmm. um, dat into digital and like helping rearrange the tech closet and stuff. So it's been a lot of work adjacent to the kind of stuff I want to do which has been really great. Um, I've also been, actually this week, I'm going to be teaching a group guitar class in the music store I work at. And I talked oh, to one nice. last year, which went pretty well. Um, we ended up having more people sign up than we expected. And I think we're going to have like about that same people this time mm-hmm. and which will be which is good to know because both times i put a uh, well i put a packet together last time and i'm putting the same thing together this time but now i might make it just a few less pages so it's not like hundreds and hundreds of pages right it's put right. out so yeah um so uh that's fantastic alex i'm yeah. really looking forward to that um so speaking of which before we get into the presentation uh that i have for you today mm-hmm. um let's talk super quick just a little bit of house cleaning here okay um, so, uh, just some stuff to sort of think about for the future, I guess. Right. Mm-hmm. So like something that you and I have been kind of talking about recently and, uh, both on air and kind of off air is just how to kind of finally, like, I think that the show is really kind of finally kind of coming into its own, like kind of starting to finally have a format that really fits it and that yeah. works. Um, and one of the big things is that even though we talk about like, oh, this is to find a way for us to get onto the Forbes 30 under 30. That's really our way of saying, like, how can people under the age of 30 make a mark on this world, right? Yeah. You know, whether or not we actually make it to that list. Um, the idea is that it's this show isn't just for us. And even though, like, we say that thing in the beginning, it's it, it's mostly for everybody. And that's why we have, like, the lessons that we learned. Yeah. And so, you know, it's not just lessons that we can apply. It's lessons that other people can apply. Yeah. And that's the main reason why we also ask, hey, what do we miss? Like, what is something that you pulled from it? Or if you've done some of your own research on people like this person or other like similar people, like what are some other things that we can kind of look into? Um, 
So, you know, if you ever have suggestions or uh, questions or comments, concerns, whatever, please feel free to uh, email us or tweet at us, uh, like, you know, the, with all the stuff that we give at the end. Um, because I think that, like, especially the way we've been doing it recently, where we just do one person, mm -hmm. and kind of spend a little bit further time on them, I think really helps kind of hone it in a little bit. Um, so I'm glad that we kind of found or figured out that method there. Certainly. Um, and the last thing is, is that uh, just to sort of kind of give people a heads up, because you were just talking about it, right? You know, you're moving into your, uh, your new house in August. Yeah. And then you're getting married in September. Yes. Um, so that means that we're going to have, like, not necessarily a wonky schedule, but, like... A wonky schedule. Yeah. yeah. What it really means more of is, like, we're probably going to have less, like, uh, super personalized uh, openings kind of thing. Because what we're going to be trying to do is, in the upcoming months, is set up uh, some times to record a couple episodes like this. But we're also going to try and set up some interviews. Mm -hmm. um, as much as possible with people who are having like, who, sorry, with people who have careers that we think, you know, maybe people should be kind of keeping an eye out for. Mm -hmm. um, that way we can sort of edit all of those ahead of time and then just maybe throw together a quick intro, uh, an outro to, to tag on to the end of each of them um, just to kind of help Alex during this kind of crazy busy time. It's much appreciated. Um, and so, and those interviews could be potentially both of us talking to somebody. It could be Alex talking to somebody. It could be me talking to somebody. Uh, or who knows, it could also be a guest person asking another person, you yeah. know? Um, so it, the idea, though, is that we, we want to make sure that you guys know that the, the format is going to still be fairly similar, but it just could be a little like, uh, like the dates and stuff like that of things mentioned could be a little off because of. The fact that we're kind of preparing for uh, a big life change for Alex. Yeah. Uh, and congratulations on that, by the way. I think, I think I've said that before on yeah. air, but just in case I haven't, congratulations. Thank you, sir. It's very appreciated. Um, okay, so let's get into the presentation. What do you say? All right. Um, so last week, you talked about Jack Conti yes. and Patreon. Yes. Um, and so I actually kind of wanted to in a way, have a way to link it together, right? So I was thinking like, you know, since we've already talked about Patreon, what are some of the places or people who are on Patreon that, you know, I like and stuff like that and to kind of like try to then have some sort of tie there, right? Yeah. Um, and if I had a job uh, where I could actually have money incoming, um, where are some of the people that I would... Excuse me. Who are some of the people that I would... um. Uh, uh, that I would contribute to and stuff, right? Mm -hmm. uh, and so I found this one because I've been listening to this and it's very relevant to another show that we've been talking about, right? So there's a show out there called Friends at the Table. Okay. Um, and they are on Patreon. Um, they have over 2,000 uh, patrons, mm -hmm. uh, which is fantastic. Uh, and Friends at the Table is an actual play podcast um, and they have an insane amount of episodes out. Um, yeah. They do a lot of really cool stuff. Myth Takes for Us is mostly inspired by a show called The Adventure Zone. Um, but Friends at the Table is something that inspires that show. Yeah. And he said that a long time ago. So I started listening in uh, about sometime mid-last year. Um, I mean, I started from the beginning. but uh, And then I started really kind of getting into this show. And this show made me realize that when we wanted to do our Monster of the Week thing, my initial thought was uh, was that 
what we would probably do is is do like season one. We would like just draw names for people. Yeah. Um, both DM and characters and stuff like that. And season one would be these people. Okay. And then season two would be the next set. And then season three, right? You know, do it kind of like that and have shorter seasons. But like, you know, then we would kind of go on rotation like that. Yeah. Um, and then I found Friends at the Table, which does this really great thing where they have kind of too many people to play one game. Mm -hmm. Um, so what they do is, is like, they're kind of all in the same story, but he splits people up into parties. And then these people go off on this mission to do this. And these people go off to do this mission and they're related to each other, but like they're, and they're happening simultaneously, Yeah, but they're not happening like together. If that makes any sense. Yeah. Right. Um, and so I really appreciate that. And like, it's a really cool way that they juggle stuff. And, you know, just like with us, right. You know, you have, um, you know, usually just one person contributes music to their show, but, mm -hmm. you know, for you and I, like, I've, so far I've done, um, the music that's been in it so far, but you have some music that's coming up that will be in the, in some of the episodes. Um, yeah. and so, you know, that's why I chose, uh, Friends at the Table is not the, the, the people necessarily that I'm going to speak about. I mean, I'm going to lean a little heavily on this and I'll come back to Friends at the Table, but, mm -hmm. um, the person that I chose to talk about this week is Austin Walker. Austin um, Walker. Yes, Austin Walker is sort of the, I mean, obviously, they're all sort of the masterminds behind Friends at the Table, right? But Austin Walker is kind of their, uh, kind of like the leader of of that group. Mm -hmm. um, Austin Walker is the DM of, of Friends at the Table. Uh, he's very knowledgeable in games, um, and that's kind of the main reason, right? He's very good at kind of pulling and, and, and stuff like that. And again, we'll come back to Friends at the Table in a second. Yeah. But first, I want to talk about his his main career. Um so uh, Austin Walker is someone who used to be the edit uh, the uh, an editor at Giant Bomb. Okay, yeah. Um, and uh, he has a uh, PhD in media studies, hmm. um, which is pretty fantastic. That is fantastic. Um, he writes about games, culture, and uh, the relationships between play and labor, um, according to his, the old place that he worked at, right? Giant Bomb. Yeah. Um, and then he left Giant Bomb, though, and you can actually hear this um, change in the middle of, uh, if you're ever listening to the first season of Friends at the Table, Yeah, uh, he announces on an episode that he is leaving Giant Bomb to join um, a company that is owned by Vice, right? So think of like Vox owns things like Polygon, yeah, right? Vice owns something called Waypoint. Mm -hmm. Which is their version of you know of Polygon? It's a it's the gaming side of Vice. Yeah. Um. And so Austin Walker is now the editor in chief of Waypoint. Wow. Um. Which is pretty great. Um. And so he does still write about the intersection of games, culture, labor, and community. Um. And he writes a whole bunch of articles, um, on his own. You know, as well as um working with kind of like freelance people and stuff like that. Yeah, can I uh, um, interject for a second? Yeah, absolutely. So you had mentioned, and whenever you mention someone, I tend to do just like a look, pull them up on my end just to have like an idea of who you're talking about. Mm -hmm. And I'm on the Giant Bomb website forum, and I really appreciate that one of his aliases is Slaberham Lincoln. Yes, I, dang, you kind of beat me to it. <laughs> but yeah, I was going to say, what I really do appreciate is the fact that uh, he has a long list yeah. uh, of, of aliases. <laughs> Professor Killer. Uh, the Black Marks, the new Nietzsche. Andre uh, 2,999. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I, I want to make sure that people understand that Marx is the M-A-R-X, of course. Yeah. Um, 
the editor in beef, <laughs> uh, Caramel Caesar, Young Jung, uh, Kanye, yes, Kanye East, Swagnito, <laughs> LeBron Games, <laughs> John Luke, go hard. Yes, uh, uh, Dad, <laughs> Malcolm Y. I forgot about that one. Um, uh, That's great. There we go. Yeah. Oh, so yeah, he has. Yep. Last one, the Ozymandias of the Octagon. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I just I love that like uh, that he has so many names. Yeah. Um, and I also love the fact that like he, you know, I mean, like he's uh, like something that I think is very good about it too is that he's also unapologetic about who he is in every way, right? Yeah. Um, and so a lot of his names that he's kind of come up with, whether someone else has come up for it uh, for him or he is doing it, you know, there's a lot of uh, a lot of these jokes are on you know kind of like his. Uh, like his his skin color, uh, or sorry, the color of his skin. You know what I mean? So, like for example, like like we were saying, things like the black Clark Kent, mm-hmm. um, or uh, or you know the uh, black Rushmore, <laughs> yeah, um, stuff like that. And I I think that's also fantastic because you know some people I think unfortunately feel the need to sort of separate themselves from that in professional settings. Mm-hmm. Um, but it reminds me a lot of like Terrence Wiggins, right? who uh, he is known on Twitter as the Black Nerd. Um, yeah. Now, there are technically two the Black Nerds out there, um, and so sometimes people sort of are like, wait, which who, who are we talking about? But, you know, Terrence is pretty well known, um, and uh, Terrence is actually someone that I wouldn't mind interviewing on the show sometime. Yeah. Um, because he's also had a pretty cool career, and kind of in a similar field, but we'll get to that when we get to that. Yeah. Um, so back to his work at, like, Vice and Waypoint, um, like I said, he does a lot of article writing his on his own. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, so, you know, he has a lot of things like he even has, uh, he even has like, you know, an article on why vice gaming has been moved over to a new name called waypoint. Yeah. Um, and he talks about all, all the games and stuff like that, that he likes, but I also appreciate that he does also really dive into some of the, um, for lack of a better term, kind of like more political side of things. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, uh, like they talk, he talks a lot about, uh, like mafia three and the racism and stuff like that. And like, and the race that, uh, the, like the race, uh, debate and everything like that, that it tends to want to, uh, tackle. Um, so, you know, it's a lot of stuff like that. So, you know, again, he doesn't shy away from it and he's like, no, let's sit here and have a conversation. Right. Yeah. Just like I said, he writes about the intersection of games, culture, labor, and community. Yeah. Um, now, I do really like all of his work there, and I think it's cool because, you know, he kind of came over to become the editor-in-chief, let's see, I think it was just after his 30th birthday, hmm. um, if I'm not mistaken, because he turns 33 this year. Yeah. Um, and I believe, if I'm reading this correctly, or if I'm remembering correctly, rather, um, I believe he left in 2016 to go there, so he would have been 31 at the time. Yeah. Um, or 30 going on 31. Um, so, yeah, you know, yeah, so you know, he was basically just at that part in his in his life um and I think that that makes a lot of sense for this show, right? Is that he had found a way to really personify himself at a place like Giant Bomb mm-hmm. and then after hitting that 30-year mark, um he switched over to another company and and joined in at a pretty high up position. Yeah. Um so I think that's pretty impressive and I think that Austin Walker does a lot of really great work. Definitely. Um, 
And before we start talking about uh, some other stuff, I want to, uh, sorry, rather, before we finish up this presentation, I would like to go back to Friends at the Table. Yeah. Um, because this is also something that I think really fits him, right? Yeah. Um, Austin Walker's work at Friends at the Table, um, that's kind of what I, I've talked about it a little bit before, mm -hmm. um, but I want to sort of finish up on Friends at the Table because um, not that his work at Vice um, or rather Waypoint or at uh, Giant Bomb are, not that those aren't important, but Friends at the Table, I think, is kind of something that for me is what would put him on the map. Yeah. Um, and I think that it's kind of also a great culmination of these other things, right? You know, his work in games and like looking at the storytelling of hundreds of video games and stuff like that, and then finding a way to, uh, then tell his own stories. Yeah. Um, and so I'd like to read to you, um, real quick, what he says at the beginning of every episode. Mm -hmm. Um, he says, welcome to friends at the table, an actual play podcast focused on critical world building smart characterization, and fun interactions between good friends. Um, and I think that is very true. Uh, he is very good at storytelling. Um, something that amazes me about him is the fact that they put out weekly episodes, um, and, you know, there's music and everything like that. And, um, you know, uh, Jack from the show usually writes the music. Mm -hmm. um, but, uh, you know, the thing is, is that they have all these moving pieces and they... Uh, actually, Friends of the Table is how I discover Time.is, right? Yeah. Which is what we use to clap together, yeah. you know, and um, stuff like that. Um, okay, so one of the things that is really impressive about this is that they have sort of their main story, right? So they have kind of like seasons and stuff like that of of them kind of building this world called Hyron. Um, and, you know, you have autumn and then you have winter and, and so forth. Um, and in between these seasons... Uh, they have kind of these little mini adventures. So they've done something called uh, like counter slash weight. Uh, and that was a like kind of like a, a, a an in-between seasons game mm -hmm. where they did a, a a mech story. Right. They were in they like they were totally different characters and they were uh, out in outer space and they were, you know, in these mech suits and stuff like that and um, doing all sorts of different things. And so, you know, they play through all sorts of different games. Um, you know, the 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 winter uh special, for lack of a better term, like they have like a, a holiday special every year, right? And so the holiday special in the middle of winter uh of in Hyron um was kind of based in the same world, kind of not. Um it was they they did a game called Follow. Yeah. Um which was different than what they usually do. And so even though there, there really isn't a GM in Follow, right? Like, everyone just sort of plays characters, mm -hmm. but you, you do still sort of have someone to help kind of lead the way a little bit. Just someone to sort of be like, okay, I think this is probably a good place to leave this thing at, right? Yeah. Um, but that game was all about building scenes. And um, their episodes are usually longer than the episodes of things like The Adventure Zone. Yeah. Um, and... I, I like this show a lot, right? Because the Avenger Zone is definitely a little bit more confined uh, within a certain space. Mm -hmm. um, like I said, usually episodes there are about an hour. Obviously, some have gone a little over. Some of them are a little bit less. Um, but it's around an hour every time. Yeah. Um, and they are very funny people. And, like, they're usually laughing about stuff um, out of the game, right? Like, sometimes someone will say something very funny in-game, like, uh, you know, 
Justin as Taco screaming Abraka fuck you. Yeah. Right. Uh like that moment, like that sort of thing, like they will laugh about. Um and uh but you know, a lot of the times they are joking to each other and that's what's making them laugh. Um Friends at the Table definitely uh has good moments and like, you know, really laugh together um at uh at moments, but they're usually things that aren't kind of uh out of the story. They're usually the in story things or a little bit more of laughing about the questions that people bring up and say, okay, well, if I do this, is this going to cause this to happen? Yeah. And you know, like they're, they're kind of talking, they're very, very much in the moment of, of the story. There's very little distraction. Yeah. Um, which is definitely kind of a big difference between the two. Mm -hmm. Um, not that either is, is wrong, right? Mm -hmm. Obviously both are, are very good. Um, but it, it is, it is interesting to see two shows that are similar to certain extents, but then also yet very different. Yeah. Um, but Friends at the Table really does do exactly what, uh, Austin says that they set out to do, right? Mm -hmm. Critical world building. Like, every episode has very much, uh, these things of really trying to dive in together to create that world, mm -hmm. um, which is something that I, you know, that I wanted to bring to the table with, uh, especially with Myth Takes Episode 1, you'll hear that a lot. Yeah. There's a lot of stuff of, like, you know, instead of, uh... I, I think that's something that also, again, makes a good storyteller um, and a good GM, DM, keeper, whatever you want to call them. Yeah. Um, someone who can kind of help create this outward scene, but then say, okay, well, you tell me what this is. Yeah. Tell me what this part of the world looks like. Right. And kind of getting the characters to do these things. Something that I really love that he does is in, in Friends at the Table, when they're doing more like Dungeons and Dragons type thing, even if they're playing a different game style, it is something similar to... Dungeons and Dragons, right? Mm -hmm. um, and he'll they'll do a move, and he'll say, "Okay, tell me what that looks like, right?" So they will have to tell you exactly how the movement of their hands works, or how the spell is cast, and stuff like that. And I think it's a very—I I don't know—I mean, I, I feel like I could talk about this show mm -hmm. for a very long time, yeah. um, and I don't want to uh, just sort of spend uh, all of the episode talking about just this one thing. But I really do think that you know if. Uh, if Forbes was kind of, you know, looking at his career up until this show uh, premiered, I think they would have had something for him. If Forbes had been kind of looking at his career uh, at the time that he was just about to turn 30 or, um, you know, in his you know mid-20s and stuff, there obviously would have been stuff to take note of. Yeah. Um, but even though most of his stuff sort of happened after turning 30... Mm -hmm. He really did set himself up for success in his 30s, um, which is something that we'll, you know, again, come to at the what we learned portion. Yeah. Um, but that's that's Austin Walker, the the writer uh, and the storyteller um, uh, of all varieties. All right. And uh, I think, again, just a career that you should be keeping an eye on. Certainly. But before we do the uh, what we learned... Uh, why don't we do a little bit of uh, marketing department stuff? Sounds good. So, Colin, one thing we've both talked about is online learning, right? Yes. And, and well, one thing we've kind of hinted at is how the American education system hasn't... It's given a nice foundation... But I feel like there are a lot of things that it's missed, right? And you can kind of see that mm -hmm. in how many people are going back to get 
to kind of fill out more of their education because whether it's in a very specific like college program or if it's in just like high school like we there's been this kind of overall feeling that like we didn't get as much as we kind of really wanted to get out of it right and there's been this big push for online learning now both you and i have a lot of experience with a very specific kind of online learning provider but one thing that we've both noticed is that because they've been around for a while while they may have a lot of videos and a lot of very good programs they can be very outdated right like yes. in this one learning path I'm working on, there are videos as far back as 2012. Now, that may not seem like a very long time, but in six years, a lot can change in the music scene and the kind of tools that you For go to sure. might be completely different. Yes, exactly. So there's this – actually, there's this new online learning community called Skillshare. So Skillshare is an online learning community with thousands of classes in design, business, technology, and more. Anyone can join the millions of members in our community to learn cutting-edge skills, network with peers, and discover new opportunities. For just under $10 a month, get access to thousands of Skillshare classes taught by the world's best teachers in all of the amazing categories Skillshare has to offer. Each class has a project so you can put your new skills into practice and share your work with other community members around the world. For two months of free classes, go to bit.ly slash Skill scav. Again, that is bit.ly slash skillscav. Skillshare, the skills you need to succeed. Uh yeah, dude. Skillshare is, is great because just like you said, like sometimes those things are from like 2012 and some other places. Yeah. And like not just on Linda, like all, all sorts of places. Places like all, even on YouTube, people who do tutorials mm -hmm. that do stuff on like something like Photoshop, but it's like, dude, the program doesn't look anything like, it's like that. It's like Photoshop anymore. too. Well, another issue I had is, so I haven't seen this with Skillshare yet, but in on Lunda, there are like some videos that like are very obviously like advertisements, right? So right. like there was this one on different plugins that you might want to use, but they were all from like this very specific company. And there wasn't a lot of information apart from, hey, so if you want to get this kind of thing, you might want to use this as opposed to like, hey, so here's a wide swath of tools that could be used in like these kind of applications as opposed to just like hey so here's just this one company but here's how we can fit their specific products to these specific instances so right for sure yeah um let's talk about uh, an a another podcast uh that's out there called plus ultra uh my hero academia is a good tv show like a really good one like better than any piece of superhero media has been in the past several years that's what I think, anyway, and why I decided to start recording Plus Ultra. It's hard to talk about what makes Hero Academia so compelling in brief, but I'll try. If you like good guys risking it to save people, incredible feats of heroic power, and incredibly high-octane shock and awe stunts, this is going to be a good show for you. I hate to sound hyperbolic, but it might be my favorite TV show ever. Listen to Plus Ultra and you'll find out why. So that was Plus Ultra. Uh, that's their little ad read there. And they can be found on pretty much any podcatching app that you can think of. Um, and so thank you to them for giving us a little little blurb uh, for you guys. Um, so I'm sure somewhere out there, Graham Thompson is very happy that we read that one. All right. So, Alex, let's talk about... Uh, some of the life lessons that we've learned yeah. and things that uh, that he's done that we can apply 
to uh, to our lives. Yeah. Well, so one thing I've been thinking about during your presentation is whenever like it's not me presenting, I try and think about mm-hmm. so like if I were to be reading this on the website, like Forbes magazine thirty under thirty, this person was put in for this and this and that. So I guess with Mr. Austin Walker, the point would be well, on the surface, it just looks like so he writes for. He, he is a senior editor for Waypoint, right? And he's right. also the head of Friends of the Table. So then what would be mm-hmm. kind of like the one or two sentence blurb? So going outside of like the things that he's done, but kind of the point to all of his accomplishments. Hmm. I think it could be kind of a number of things. I think one of the biggest things is that uh, even if you are a journalist, right, mm-hmm. you are still telling a story, yeah. right? Um, and so I would say that he is, um, you know, one of the the greatest storytellers of our of our time, mm-hmm. right? Whether through uh, reality or through fiction, um, you know, he is creating a narrative that opens up many avenues to further discussion on all sorts of topics. Yeah. Um, and so I think that that would probably something along those lines is what I imagine Forbes Forbes would probably uh, mention or talk about. Mm-hmm. Um, I also think that they would probably talk about uh, just like the level of creativity as well that comes with doing this sort of thing. Yeah. Um, you know, a creative spirit that is kind of giving a a home, I guess you could say, for not just for himself, but for others too, right? Because as editor-in-chief at Waypoint, you know, he's also part of the process of getting in freelance writers and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, so, so someone who's not only had a successful career themselves, but is also trying to help foster uh, some other people's careers as well and bring them into the uh, into the spotlight. Yeah. Well, I guess his career kind of goes back to this topic that we had mentioned of pivoting and not like choosing, not allowing your kind of job to become your identity, but using like using your identity to, to kind of, well, let me start that over. Okay. So one, th- so I, I guess listening to um, Mr. Austin Walker's career kind of goes back to this idea that we've had before of pivoting and not feeling stuck where you are, I guess. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to put a connect the dots here. Um, no, that makes total sense, though. Yeah, I'm just trying to like – so we have like this big general message and now I'm trying to like – come up with the points on the spot you know like when you're like writing an essay in like school like you're doing your bcrs and brief constructed response now i feel like i'm just kind of like improvising that on the spot all the time but hey it's cool it's like good for improvisation but for um a kind of in inform inform, informational podcast i don't know if that might be the best approach but so well i guess let's workshop this a little bit so what we'd mentioned before is this idea of pivoting and not feeling stuck in your career path right so but the thing is, is that with Austin Walker, he's kind of stayed in the career of like writing stories, but he's also find, found a way to apply it to like different paths, right? Mm-hmm. So I guess the point could be like not only pivoting within your career, but pivoting how you're applying like the skills that you have. Right. I'll start with that. Okay. So I guess if we look at the career of Mr. Austin Walker, we could see that he his career like it can in a way apply to what we had mentioned before about pivoting. Now, what we had mentioned before with pivoting was more of like not feeling stuck in a career and like not letting that identify you as a person, right? But right. with Mr. Austin Walker, there's a bit of a discrepancy there because it seems like for the most part, he's stuck with writing and telling stories. 
but there's but we can kind of draw a separation between pivoting career career wise and then re and then pivoting the skills that you have that maybe you picked up from another career and then putting that in another situation right yes definitely definitely and you know having that um having his degrees in media studies and stuff like that i mean really does also bring together not just like the editing aspect but you know the idea of like really being able to take an idea and expound upon it and expound upon that and just to continue to like kind of branch out with all of this this level of knowledge and uh and skills yeah. right that it would take not only to again be an editor in chief and work with other writers but also to be able to kind of kind of do that on the fly with speech mm -hmm. right that's one of the things i think is really cool about friends of the table is the idea that you know again they are building this world uh every single episode there's there's multiple moments of world building so even though they have an episode uh where they do a world building episode right of um, uh, at any time they do any kind of new game and new story, there is a little bit of that, you know, world building stuff happening. Um, but they still do it in every single episode after that too. Yeah. Right. You know, and again, that is a lot of the stuff that we were just talking about, right. Uh, is taking his ideas and, you know, expanding upon all of those things, but then taking other people's ideas and sort of putting them on the spot and saying, okay, now you do some of this, right. You, you take your writing ability um, and even people who think that they aren't good writers or good storytellers can become good storytellers when they are put into this um, this already well-developed world and then they're making contributions to it. They kind of feel safe. They feel comfortable. They feel they feel a part of that world just as much as mm -hmm. he does yeah. and just as much as their characters are, right? Like they become one with the lore, even if they specifically aren't there. Yeah. Um, and I think that's a, I think that's a really cool school. Uh, nope. I think that's a really cool skill. There we go. Uh, to have, yeah. to be able to sit there and, uh, you know, not make anyone feel uncomfortable by putting them on the spot, but by being like, Hey, you got to name this thing. You've got to tell me what this looks like. You've got to mention this, you know? And it's like, okay, well, if you want to do that, like you're going to have to do blank, right? Because you know that the rules of blank and blank are yada, yada, you know, like, and I realize that's very vague, but. The idea is that there's so many different things that you could put in to those yada yadas and this and that's right mm -hmm. um, because they play through all sorts of different games and uh, you know these people are also very good storytellers but they also trust him to sort of um, kind of give a lending or guiding hand or guiding uh, figure in a way like almost kind of like being a compass yeah. uh, for every story. Um, and giving them a good starting point uh, for them to dive in. Yeah. And so the way that that applies to to you or myself, right, is that we do some similar things, right, with things like myth takes. Mm -hmm. um, and so, you know, how can we make sure that in every episode of that, um, that every person gets a moment to, to help build that world, um, whether it's myself or whether it's you or whether it's Morgan or... Who else, you know, uh, could potentially be someone that could build something, right? Like, yeah. uh, we need to make sure that we're all sort of, you know, an active part of that. And that's something that I certainly have taken to heart for this. Mm -hmm. um, but for those who are not into things like actual play podcasts, right? Mm -hmm. Like if you're a manager, for example, right? Being able to know that, like, there is a narrative happening in your store or in your department or 
wherever, you know, it is that you work. You know, knowing that, yes, I certain, nope, I set certain rules, but how can I make other people involved in this process? How can I make sure that this world that we all live in here is being contributed to by the people around me, yeah. right? Um, and so there's a lot of things that you can do in that front, right? It doesn't happen in just literal storytelling. Uh, life is basically a story, yeah. right? Um, and we are all living it moment by moment. And so because of that, we are all much better at improv than we think we are. Yeah, definitely. Um, because even as you and I are talking, right, we don't have a script for this stuff. So everything that we're saying, uh, except for maybe ad reads, right? Yeah. Everything else is not scripted. So it's like anything that I say is just coming off the dome. Like I could just start saying random words like mushroom, bananas, Coca-Cola. I'm just naming foods now. See, and so maybe there's a moment of bad improv, but you know, microphone, Xbox, closet, you know, like just random words. Clip it. <laughs> yes, exactly. Clip it. Edit it out. Take all of that out. Or no, just, but the thing or is, just like clip it and then just have it loop throughout the whole thing. And then people are wondering wondering why you're talking about like Xboxes and bananas and mushrooms and or old family photos or curtains you know like whatever um i'm just naming things in the room but like you know i mean i that's the, that's my point though right is that that's how our brains work yeah. right like we don't just sit there and spout those words off but we we string together sentences and so we string together a day-to-day -day life um and so if you want to be someone who is taken more seriously and you know, want more of a responsibility you have to string together a sentence that proves that um, if you want to be a part of a solution, if you want to be a part of, uh, the narrative of your workplace, right. You know, you have to sort of take that initiative and get in there and just do. And so, yeah. And so I think that's kind of my main thing that I, I would say, um, you know, if you're not this type of person, you know, like if you're not a storyteller or, uh, you know, a creative writing kind of person. Mm -hmm. There are still things that you can take from all of these roles. Like every single person that we've talked about on this show has some sort of lesson that you can take and apply to your own self. Mm -hmm. um, just even if you aren't in the same field as them, yeah. right? Mm -hmm. Don't feel like just because we talk about a lot of creative people doesn't mean that you can't be creative in different ways. Well, I guess the point or well, another point with that is even if you feel like you are kind of stuck with the skills that you've gained, like even if you can't pivot out of the the general career that you have, like there's still ways to pivot those skills and put them into another context. Like for instance, yes. being able to effectively write a story, whether that's in the form of like an article or in the form of telling like a story that's been going on since like 2014. Exactly, exactly. Um, and, you know, pivoting is not a bad thing, mm -hmm. right? And sometimes a pivot doesn't even have to be to a different company. Sometimes you can leave one one department and pivot to another department by taking the skills that you've learned here and applying them to a different department and to a different job type. Mm -hmm. um, you know, you can pivot multiple times within your career and it doesn't have to be a different, uh, like, d uh, different field of work necessarily. No. A pivot can literally be, because that's the thing, like, that's more of a leap, right? Th this is pivoting. This is just a slight change in direction yeah. to keep moving mm -hmm. forward. If you'd like more information on Friends at the Table, you can find them at friendsatthetable.net. Um, and if you would like more information on things like Waypoint, you can go to waypoint.com or waypoint.zone. 
And if you would like to check out their Patreon that we mentioned at the very beginning of the episode, you can find them at www.patreon.com slash friends underscore table. Um, and you can find out more information about the rewards and everything like that that they have. They've got a lot of really cool stuff that they're working on and a lot of cool stuff coming forward uh, out of all of this. So, you know, for sure, definitely go check them out. Um, and if you have anything that we've missed uh, from this point or from other people, feel free to email us at scavengersnetwork uh, at gmail.com or tweet at us at scavengersnet. So I think that's a pretty good spot to leave it. What do you say? I think so, too. All right. So please be sure to check out our other shows here on the Scavengers Network, such as Culture Shock, our news, reviews, and interview series all about the arts world. Or if you're looking for a podcast, try out our other great shows on the network, like Academy Outcasts. You can find that video series and others on our YouTube uh, because we are coming back from our season break, right, that we do every June. Um, That's going to be ending pretty soon. And not only are we coming back full force with all the classic shows that you love, but we're coming back with a couple new things, too. So definitely keep your eye out for those things. Um, And if you want, you can find our podcasts, such as Academy Outcast, wherever you choose to listen to your podcast. If you want to find me, you can find me on Twitter at Colin M. Parker. You can also find me on Twitter at A-T-A-Y-L-0, zero zero is in the number, not the spelling of it, or French AT Music. And you can find both of us at ScavengersNet. And uh, hey, you know, since we have you here, I would like to thank my good friend, Alex Taylor, for writing the theme music for this show. Oh, thank you. That you hear in the beginning, middle, and end. Thank you, sir. Um, you're welcome. And so this episode is coming out on uh, June 19th, and our next episode will be on July 3rd, the day before America's birthday. Uh, So thanks for joining us here on Journey Under 30. Once again, I'm Colin Parker. And once again, I am Alex Taylor. And I'll see you on the Forbes listings. No, I'll see you on the Forbes listings. (laughs) 